wonderful, beautiful, brave human being. Welcome to another episode in our maternity leave series of A Braver Brand, the podcast. As always, I'm your host, Kate K. McCarthy. And in case you've not been listening to this series, as the name would suggest, I am off and away and on my maternity leave as we speak, but I didn't want to leave you hanging. So what I did is to start off season three of the podcast, I created six phenomenal episodes with conversations that I've been meaning to have. Um, They're conversations with friends, people in the industry, um, and all about things that I think um, really define what it is like um, to be on this entrepreneurial journey. And I'm so thrilled to be able to share it with you. Today is episode four of six within our maternity leave series. And um, I'm thrilled to be sharing a conversation that I had with my dear friend, Mel. Mel and I met um, years and years ago when she was still um, underneath her former business called The Nomadic Wife. Um, since then, Mel has closed The Nomadic Wife, and she'll talk a little bit about it in this episode. But she's also launched Given Birth to a brand new brand and business called The Northern Table, which is a Canadian-based brand that aims to create delicious herbal herbal blends, both tea and salt blends, that are aligned with the seasons, transparently sourced, and deeply connected to the land. It's so beautiful. In this episode, Mel and I talk all about the birth of The Northern Table what it has been like to be in the infancy stages of a new brand and business because it is such a deep, um, complicated, heartfelt um, process, right? What it looks like to make the hard choices while staying within your values because we've all had to do that and why they're not, as you might think, in the tea and salt market, but instead are aiming for something so much greater, It was such a gift to sit down and talk to Mel. Um, She has such a passion for this work, and it truly comes from um, the conversations that she's been dying to have, the work that she's been dying to do, and the ways that she sees um, Canadian products and also like transparent processing um, come together. I learned so much. in talking to her in this episode, not just about tea and salt and herbs, which are things that I've never actually considered in terms of processing and sourcing, but also about like what it has been like to create a new product line um, and the the heartfelt conversations, decisions, pivots, etc. that go into doing that. So without further ado, let's get to the conversation with Mel. Hi, Mel. Welcome to A Braver Brand. Hey, Kate. How are you doing today? I'm so, so good. I'm so excited to be spending my morning talking to you, and I'm just so grateful that you would spend a little bit of your time. I know it is a very jam-packed schedule up there for y'all. Definitely a a busy season of life right now, to say the least. I know, and I'm so excited for you because it's all like good stuff. So, um because you can explain who you are and what you do and why you do it so much better than I could even try. Let's start there. 
um, with who you are and what you do and a little bit about like what has led you to be doing this work in the world. All right. So I'm Mel, um, short for Melanie, but almost everybody calls me Mel. I'm the owner, along with my partner, Tom, of a business called The Northern Table. Um, we're based out of Alberta, Canada. And what we do at The Northern, Northern Table is that we aim to create delicious herbal blends that are aligned with the seasons. And the way that shows up in the world is through tea blends and salt blends. Um, yeah, so that's kind of the easy peasy highlight reel version of what we do. Mm-hmm. It definitely goes a lot deeper um, than that. We work directly with a lot of Canadian farmers at the moment, um, organic farmers who are of small scale or farmers who have yet to certify organically and who already do the practices. So we try to source the most beautiful fresh, freshly dried ingredients mm-hmm. <laughs> that we can. And um, we're just looking to inspire people to look around at what's available, you know, on the land where they are and bring that back to the table where they can have a conversation and a gathering over it. Where did it all, like, where did the the brainchild of the Northern Table begin for the two of you and like how long has it been in the works okay so that's a great question there um, used to be a business that was owned by myself alone it used to be called the nomadic wife Um, however now I joke around that I'm neither nomadic nor married so um, that sort of felt a little bit out of alignment the name felt a little bit out of alignment and the work that I was doing within it didn't really seem to align particularly well with the brand values that we had. There was just like so many disconnects Mm -hmm. that it started to feel like it was impossible to grow roots. So I took a big step back and I started talking with Tom about what would it be like if I rebranded? What would it look like for us to kind of have our dream business? Mm -hmm. What would it look like to have those harder conversations that I was trying to have with the nomadic wife that I wasn't really able to have in the context of that original business. Conversations like, where does our food actually come from? Where do our spices and herbs actually come from? Where does the salt that we put everything, like in everything come from? Um, Who are the people who are harvesting Mm -hmm. this? You know, like, like what kind of people are they? Are they like really cool hip like (laughs) right are they like old man john farmers like i wanted to know these people i wanted to meet them and greet them and welcome them to my table and be part of their village and their conversations and i was just not able to connect those desires with what the nomadic wife was doing which was mostly recipe development um There was definitely a seasonal sort of um, component to it, but it just wasn't allowing me to go deep enough. Mm. So I had the conversation with Tom and we said, what if we bring to the table 
the things we talk about with the people you want to talk about too, right? Like, so, so what if we actually don't just go out there and talk to the herb farmer? What if we buy these beautiful herbs, hand blend them in small batches and sell them at farmer's market? Like, what would that look like? And so being the person that I am and with my complete inability to half-ass anything, yeah, <laughs> we just went full ass. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> um, and we sort of said, okay, like, let's, let's just do it. And then in the winter that, so this business just kind of to put things in perspective, um, right now it's what, what it's July. Yes. How is it July? I know. I don't know. (laughs) Anyways, um, I know that this episode will come out later, but as of July, our business is like not even six months old, the Northern table. It's new, 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 right? Our, our first farmer's markets is two days away. Um, yeah, it's, it's wild. Congratulations. Thank you. Yeah. It's just, we're just shifting and growing and shifting and growing. Um, but all this to say that in January, when we were still, you know, spinning our wheels and figuring out a name and trying to get our ducks in a row, we did this really cool um, dinner, lunch, dinner thing for um, an organization out here called Young Agrarians who help young farmers either find land um, or help like kind of like the next generation of farmers to get up and going. And so they cool. did, yeah, so they did this retreat um, out in Alex, Alberta, and we were the ones catering the food for them. And we happened to start talking to this lovely, lovely gal called Heather, who was willing to like set us up with a little bit of land next to the garden that she's growing on the family land. Stop, um, that's so cool. Yeah, and so we're actually growing some of our own herbs too, right? Because full ass, not half ass. So yeah, um, yeah. So we're kind of like doing all the thing. I know it's it's not as clean and clear and like straight to the point as it could be, but we're still in the infancy of this business. So there's a lot of figuring things out. There's a lot of relationship building. There's a lot of figuring out who we are and what voice we want to have in our industry. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So there's, there's a lot of just being down in the trenches and literally like ankle deep in the mud and just doing the thing, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Well, so I, I love, of first question. of all, yeah, absolutely. I love that you don't have to ask anything. I love that you just like go whole ass, full ass on, on all of it because one, it's entirely you. Um, and also like, when it is, it, when it kind of like springs forward as like, this would be our dream business. I don't know if there's a way to tiptoe into any of that work, like whether it's public or it's private and you're doing it behind the scenes, like that full ass mentality seems to be, um, it, it seems hard to like limit that energy at all. Um, and I'm so, so excited for you. And I think that there's a a part of something that you said in terms of like, it's not as clean and it's like not as pretty and wrapped up and like easy to explain. But I think for a lot of us, like the more um, 
I'm going to use the word organic. Um, our businesses are like the less clean, the less like put together, the less like Absolutely. And they're always going to be shifting and changing, whether you're like just in your infancy or I mean, like three years down the road from now, which is, it feels far, but it's not that far. Um, when you're more rooted, we'll use that to continue plant metaphors. Um, (laughs) when you're more rooted, like you're still going to be learning and changing because one, you're working directly with the land, which is always going to be changing and shifting and teaching you new things. And also like as you grow and as you learn more, like things are going to have to shift and change. And I love that you're kind of like thinking on your feet and like moving with whatever you're learning. Like what has been, um, what have been some of the things that you've like come up against that you've had to navigate? Um, and what has it taught you about like the business you're building and the brand that you're building? Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. So yet another great question from Kate K. <laughs> um, okay. So one of the biggest things, and I've had this conversation with a bunch of girlfriends of mine who are either in similar businesses or kind of on these um, paths that are on the periphery of food or farming or health or wellness um, is that the decisions you make as part of your business, or at least the way that we're doing it in ours, is we're trying to both think ahead and react positively to the feedback that we get. Mm. So that puts us in a position, because we're so small, to pivot really quickly, make decisions effectively. And, you know, so we're able to like make these really quick, like nip changes right so okay this is not working let's switch okay let's like right people are saying this let's do that like so one of the biggest hurdles that we've had so far is we've approached a few local coffee shops and asked them would you carry our herbal tea the original idea for the northern table was that we were going to do canadian ingredients a hundred percent across the board straight from the farm you know like harvested dried sold hopefully like within the year, like as fresh as it gets straight from the land. Mm -hmm. And then we started contacting coffee shops and small chain grocery stores or like local places. And they were like, that's great. We would love to carry your chamomile tea, but do you also have green tea? And I was like, no, because Camellia sinensis does not grow here, friends. Like, (laughs) that's lovely. Great. Okay. Yeah. So we got that question over and over again. And I was like, damn, what if we can't just do the thing that I want to do? What if we can't just be hundred percent Canadian farmed, right? What if this is not what the market needs? Mm. And then I was talking um, with another girlfriend of mine who owns a small juicing company. And she said, You just need to do what the business needs to do without losing your values or completely falling out of alignment because you're not going to be able to drive this thing the way it needs to be driven if you feel like you're a fraud. So I sort of let that sit. There was a little bit of like crying and shifting and meditating and like praying and like anger and 
all of those things because I was so invested in the idea of like 100% Canadian all the time in every product all the way, right? And then I said, okay, how do we continue to do what I'm trying to do, which is create a conversation around Canadian ingredients Mm -hmm. and still give the market what it needs or what it thinks it needs, right? Right. 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 Cause like sometimes that could be two completely different things, but that's another conversation. To totally, be had. totally. Yes. Yeah. Um, so I contacted a company originally I'm from Montreal. I'm in Alberta now, but I'm from Montreal and over there I had met some people who import tea from around the world. They go visiting these farms directly. They have people who, so like part some people in their team, that's all they do all year long is just travel to these farms and meet the people and look at the harvest and check the quality and all of these things that I want to do later in life, like when I'm a grown up. <laughs> <laughs> Whenever that happens. Whenever that happens. Yeah. Um, so I contacted them and I said, hey, I'm doing this thing. I'm looking for the best stuff you got. I want to have a small, tidy little line of teas so that I can complement what we're doing and offer it to these really cool local coffee shops, grocery stores, this whole thing. Mm-hmm. And so I'm not a tea expert. I'm studying to be a herbalist, but the tea world, I, I mean, I drink tea, but I like, I didn't know that much about like Assam leaves and like, right? Like, yeah, jam. Or it you is not- really like go deep into that. I mean, like that's a real specialty. Absolutely. Right. So with a lot of guidance from them and a really cool partnership with them, we're able to bring in some really beautiful black tea, which is from the Assam region in India. Mm -hmm. Um, It's actually from a region that tourists don't have access to. So it's just it's as traditional as it gets. And that's the basis of our black line tea or ba- or black tea line. Yeah. <laughs> Not dyslexic at all. <laughs> um, and then from that, um, we also have an Earl Grey. That's a really popular one um, with the, the bergamot in it that comes from Italy that is like harvested over there, flown to India, and then, you know, blended by the tea grower because I feel like they're probably the best person to be doing this sort of thing. They they know their plants the best, right? So to kind of bring it home, what we've decided to do is now with the Earl Grey, we bring in some really beautiful lavender from Ontario and we blend this beautiful Canadian ingredient into our further afield line, Earl Grey. So now we have like a lavender Earl Grey. So the way we're moving forward with this line of teas is we're doing all of these new blends. Like, so by the time this um, episode will come out, we'll have quite a few um, blends with Canadian ingredients that allows me to feel both deeply aligned with the direction of my business and still serve the market in a way that is understood by them easily. Yeah. We have green tea here's what it is, right? Yeah, we have black tea. Here's what it is. Yeah, we have like a beautiful matcha and a chai and all of these other popular things that your coffee shop people want. We got all of those things. However, our matcha has rosehip in it that is grown here 
in Alberta and wild harvested on an organic farm, you know, and it ups the vitamin C of your matcha blend, but it doesn't destroy the matcha flavor. Like, so yeah, like, so there's a lot of that happening behind the scenes at the moment, just figuring out what is available locally. How do we make it super delicious with these beautiful teas that come from Japan and India? And how do we remain aligned with our vision at the Northern table to just bring more Canadian ingredients to the table? I love that. I think I like want to like highlight this, underline it, circle it, like that idea of like, how do you both shift so that you're providing what the customer or client, again, things that they need, mm-hmm. things that they need or um, does need. And also at the same time, like the most important thing, especially as like these small, super small business um, owners, right? Like with the ability to pivot and change, like how do we make sure that we're still like grounded and aligned with our own vision and like that you don't lose that desire to bring Canadian products to market while still being able to expand your line. And it almost feels like, the best of both worlds, but it doesn't happen without like some serious like hard work and like consternation and figuring out how far are you able to compromise while still being like really proud of the work um, and the product that you're putting out there. I love that. It also sounds delicious and like <laughs> such a fun experience to be able to like say, okay, we have this base of like really quality tea, how do we add? How do you like, so how do you take something that's absolutely beautiful, yeah, perfect on its own, <laughs> and just like the way na- nature intended, yeah. and then try to make it better? Yeah. <laughs> right? So, I mean, it's definitely, it's definitely a fine balance between, um, so part of my skill set is recipe development and kind of like flavor profiling and, and doing all of those things. So, so it's kind of a balance between how do you remain humble mm. and um, respectful of the ingredient? Mm-hmm. Because the reason why we, we get, you know, like this green tea instead of say, you know, Lipton or whatever that right. like, you could get at the grocery store is because the farmer does absolutely beautiful work, right? Like there our green tea is from um, Japan and it's grown um, in this prefecture. Um, so it's like, I'm just going to go back just a quick second. So the yeah. Marishita brothers um, have a garden in Japan in the Shizu prefecture like I can't pronounce any Japanese words but um so it's like it's single origin right all of our green tea comes from this one farm garden in Japan and they've been doing it for generations they have this gorgeous product it's high fired it's nutty it's got like all kinds of dimensions of flavors and it's it stands beautifully on its own so how do you now take this and develop a small product line around this base of product that highlights the work that these brothers do Mm -hmm. 
and also the work that the local farmers do and sort of create this bridge and conversation between the two through this product. So it's definitely like sometimes I'll, I'll do a blend and I'll taste it and I'm like, that's delicious. It tastes like berries and glorious, blah, da And then I'm like, yeah, but we lost the green tea. Okay. Let's like go right. back. Right. right. Let's like rewind and let's remain respectful of the work that was done to get this product here. So, so yeah, it's definitely, it's humbling for sure to be in a position where we're like, the vendors of the work of people who work really, really hard to make high quality ingredients. So yeah, definitely like words that come up a lot when I'm blending or or trying new flavors is like humility Mm. and just, you know, like focus and simplicity Yeah, because or else you can easily be tempted to do things like, So the tea industry does a lot of funky things like put flavor sprays on their teas. Not going to name any brands here, but (laughs) just about any like flavored tea, you turn over the box or the package and it'll say like natural ingredients and like natural flavors. And right. um, It's actually literally mean anything. Totally. So like for the most part, what that means is they're spraying flavoring agents onto the leaves so that's why you can't see like chunks of fruit or whatever yeah um in like your your tea leaves it's just yeah so we've decided we're never going to do that we're only ever going to use the ingredients and yeah I mean if it doesn't taste like strawberry sangria so be it because (laughs) it's supposed to you know yeah yeah So why Canadian ingredients? Like where did that passion come from for you? Especially because it is such a underpinning of your core values. Mm -hmm. So through uh, The Nomadic Wife, which is my previous business that we mentioned before, I was developing recipes for a couple of farms here in Alberta, um, here and there, kind of trying to work more closely with them. I did a lot of work with uh, Riverbend Gardens, got to know the family and see like a little bit how their business works. And um, then I started, you know, like working a little bit more with young agrarians doing a few events here and there. And it really opened my eyes to the fact that Canadian ingredients are really beautiful, delicious, farmed in, you know, like, so either like organic or, you know, like, so there's, there's a lot of beautiful farms out here who have these fantastic values and the product is either never sold to the public or really hard to find. Yeah. So if you were to walk into like your average, you know, grocery store here, and like march into the tea aisle or the culinary herb aisle or you know the like where the salt is and you flipped all of those labels um they come from somewhere else and sometimes it's not indicated at all where they come from it'll say like packaged by this company here right Right. Right. i have no idea where the origins of the products are so in saying that it became really important to me to know where my food came from. Probably 10 years ago now, I started really looking into 
like sourcing and the, you know, like the, the chain that like food comes through the supply chain. And it made me realize that there is a lot of things that go unsaid. There are a lot of things that are not transparent. Like no matter who you ask, you will never find out where this stuff comes from. Right. So in saying that, because it was important for me and my family and how we feed ourselves and how we feed our friends when they come over and how we, you know, feed the people who gather around us, Mm -hmm. I thought that it was really important to ground that into the values of our business to make sure that we are always traceable, always transparent. Um, and you know, we're kind of rooting for the underdog, like in, in a way, like Canada has all of these wonderful resources that are just, you know, like people are singing songs for other heroes. Like, (laughs) um, Yeah, so it just became really important for me to put that forward, to have a conversation around that. And then I met um, some other business owners. There's two women out of Vancouver who have a business that is called Flourist, like like flour, like to make bread. Yeah. Um, Yeah, so Flourist. um, And they have this beautiful line of grains and pulses and freshly milled flowers that they either like ship directly to your door or they have like pop-ups or they're like available in some grocery stores and they're a hundred percent Canadian. So that sort of, I don't want to say gave me the license to do this, but it sort of let me know that there's definitely interest in finding ingredients closer to home. Yeah. understanding the transparency of the supply chain in, you know, like seeing the face of the farmer on the packaging or in the story or you right. So people are, are becoming increasingly educated about their food. Mm -hmm. They're becoming increasingly curious, increasingly um, there is a demand for higher quality food. Um, and this is our way to respond to that demand. You can't get better quality than if it comes from down the street on a farm that respects the land. And, you know, cause there's this, there's been this, I'm going to just shift a little bit here, but there's been this big conversation lately about how local doesn't mean good. Mm. And that can definitely be true, right? So you can have a local farm who sprays their field with all kinds of fun chemicals. And so I think that us focusing on transparency of the supply chain allows us to make educated decisions for ourselves. And it allows our customers to make educated decisions for themselves and decide what they want to give their families, right? It's not up to us to tell them this is the best stuff on the market. It's up to them to say, yeah, I understand the farm that it's from. Yeah, I understand the ingredients that are in here. And I'm okay or not okay with consuming this or, you know, like I feel like everybody has the right to decide yeah. what what they're putting in their bodies, right? Like. It's just, yeah. So yes, we go for local because lesser carbon footprint, you know, we go for local because we can physically go to the farm, meet the farmers face to face, have those conversations, you know, like, yes, we go for local because it's, 
in a way easier and harder for us to have these conversations because there's no hiding. There's nothing to hide behind when you, right. you know, like march onto somebody's land with your wellies and your jacket and your bug spray. Like, yep. <laughs> that's it, right? It's just like, it's like standing naked, like there's nothing left to hide. Yeah. So kind of like those are the reasons we go for, for local, but then we go beyond that, right? So we look for permaculture. We look for, you know, organic. We look for like one of the first questions we ask a lot of farmers is like, tell us about your farming practices. Tell mm-hmm. us about the history of the land. Like, tell us, like, why are you doing what you're doing? Why is it important to you that you're farming this way? Because we want to build these lasting relationships with people who care so deeply about what they produce that it's the absolute best product that we can possibly give our customers the chance to decide if this is good for them or not. Yeah. And I love too that like in addition to that like level of transparency, which is not available widely. at all. Choice of words, choice of words. I'm like, how do I say this? Um, You also, in addition to building those relationships with those farmers, which is so beautiful, because I think you're right, like you, you can get to know the name of the farm, but until you go and visit it and you get to know the story of the land and why it's important to them, um, it's like these layers of of trust and understanding and a deep like vetting process for all of your products. Absolutely. Um, But then you also kind of become a matchmaker between the farms and your customers and like build that relationship as well, which I think in a world that is increasingly disconnected, like the Mm. more that we can be connected, especially locally. Um, not that I don't want to be connected globally. That's beautiful too, obviously. Um, I'm here in the U S talking to you in Canada, (laughs) but, um, I think it's really beautiful to know, know where everything is sourced, honestly, but like also to be able to know like who it is that you're getting this from and to know that they're real people and the story behind it. And, um, I think that that's beautiful that it's a part of the entire process for you to really be able to take pride. And like, Mm -hmm. I think the, I, in my like own personal sphere, this idea of trust has become like a huge um, value for me because I think that like, especially when it comes to our food and the products that we buy and where we're sourcing, you know, things like, our clothes and all of that, like being able to have that transparency and that trust all the way down the line has become such a deep value for me. And I love that y'all are just responding to this market need and being able to do what you love, which is the best. (laughs) To kind of go back a little bit on what you were saying about sourcing sort of everything this way. I think, you know, for us, we thought a lot about who are we competing against in building this business, right? Because like as a business owner, it's one of those brave things you need to do. You need to go out into the market and say, who else is doing this and who's doing it well and who, right? So um, for us, we actually see the market a little bit differently than most. So we've had some conversations around, you know, like who else is in the tea market and things like that. But in reality, the question is, who else is in the 
transparent supply chain market. That's who we're quote unquote competing against. Because wouldn't it be cool if all your tea and grains and I mean, like fruits and vegetables, you can go to the farmer's market and it could be like from the farm down the road any given day of the week. No problem. But what about these other things, right? Like what about your condiments? What about the mayonnaise in your fridge, right? Like what about what about the hot sauce, right? What what about all of those things that sort of even like the most educated, like heart wide open, fully willing people are like, well, I'm just going to buy Heinz ketchup because what else am I going to (laughs) buy? Right. Right. That's what's there. That's what's there. That's what's available. Um, and that's what has the level of convenience that I'm willing to, you know, like put into this thing because nobody at the farmer's market sells ketchup or whatever. Right. Yeah. Um, so for us, it's more about opening this market of the transparent supply chain, like opening up almost like a brand new market in a way, right? That have very few contenders in it, but at the same time, you know, just sort of building a bigger pie as opposed to trying to take a slice out of somebody else's. Totally. Totally. And that's what happens when you like have that deep core value for like, okay, we're going to be as much as possible Canadian made, and we have this set of values, it's like you said, like you just give the consumer the choice. Absolutely. Every time. It's not my job to tell you what to eat and drink. That's on you, right? Yeah. Like no matter how hard I try and no matter how good the stuff is, right? Like on, on every level, like at the end of the day, the best I can do is educate you to make a good decision. Mm -hmm. And that's all we can hope to do really is like start the conversation, educate, you know, the client. Why is it important? Why do we think it's important? You know, like, why do we think you think it should be important? (laughs) (laughs) But, you know, at the end of the day, it's just about, it's just about making a bigger pie. Like there's, there's always going to be other people selling tea. There's always going to be other people selling herbs and spices. There's always going to be other people selling salt. And you know what? Like maybe our line will shift to include other things. Maybe we'll drop some things. Maybe like, who knows, right? I mean, again, we're in the infancy of this business, but at the end of the day, I strongly believe that if we just do our best Mm -hmm. at pulling all of this together at creating the conversations around the farm uh like like we're interviewing some farmers in the fall during harvest so that we can show people where it comes from like we are not just saying oh yeah it's really nice you know like right um, cohen farms is harvesting this beautiful plant for us but no like we want to introduce you to this guy this guy's like an ingenue you know he's brilliant and he has like this beautiful plant that we use in our prairies tea called sea buckthorn. Most people have never even heard of that plant before. Mm-mm. It tastes roughly like a mild green tea, but it grows here. Wow. And, and you'd like, never know. How would you know? You would, right. You would never know. You would yeah. never know. Right. Um, so that's so yeah. beautiful. I love, I love the way too, that it's, um, it turns the like, industry on its head a little bit right but also like there's no forcefulness in the messaging or marketing like you said it's like simply like 
here's a conversation. We're going to open it up. We're going to bring you like deeper in. And the only way, like, we're not going to try to convince you. We're just going to make sure that you know the stories and make sure that you know the farms and make sure that like we're having those conversations. It's such a beautiful effortless way, but also like, it's almost more work. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. (laughs) (laughs) Right. So, so from the outside, I often get this feedback, like what you just said, it's almost like an effortless way to do it and it would be so easy to say like bye 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 you know right. like, yes and just to like sell 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 yeah. and so we have a mutual friend Kate right Jen mm-hmm. yes um, the best. Don't feel these words and she keeps saying to me she goes Mel you're a pull sell you're not a push sell so stop yeah. trying to push yeah. just pull you do it really well don't fight your nature right mm-hmm. so this whole brand this whole experience, this whole thing, it's all a pull. Yeah. I'm just going to tell you what's what. And then, you know, you you make up your decisions. You decide if you want to have this, you know, like crunchy salt on your food. You decide if you want to have like salt that comes through seven filtration parts of the process. Like you decide, right? You, it, I mean, if you want to buy table salt, bless you. Right. Totally. Whatever you do, you kid. like, yeah, but you set the invitation. Absolutely. Learn every time. Everybody is welcome. It's beautiful. And I think that when I think of it as effortless, I think of it as more effortless on the part of the consumer as in it feels, you know, when you are um, bombarded by, Mm. and I think that that can happen no matter like the industry, even in like, even if you were part of that, like transparent sourcing space. You could push, 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 like you said. Um, But what happens with when I, as a part of like your sphere on the internet, right? Like as an audience member, is it like makes me lean in Mm. because I feel like I'm being, yeah, you are absolutely (laughs) invited to something deeper. Even if for me, it's not purchasing in the end. Do you know what I mean? Like for whoever Absolutely. is listening or whoever is watching, I'm, I'm pulled in enough to start asking myself the questions. Absolutely. Yeah. And that's the beautiful thing, right? Because even, so here's the thing, right? Even if you don't buy from us, mm-hmm. right? Cause at this moment we don't ship to the U S maybe mm-hmm. one day, not today. Right? right. So like, even if you don't buy from us, you're now in a position to have this conversation with your spouse, with your friends about, hey, like I just had this like cup of tea at the local coffee shop and it was from this really cool farm maybe, right? Like it'll make you, it's like when you buy a red car, all of a sudden you see all the red cars. Totally. So it just opens up this conversation and it just makes the pie bigger. Yeah. Mm. And that's a beautiful thing. I love it. Okay. Um, I could talk to you forever mm. <laughs> and <laughs> I know you have a full day of doing all of the things. So, um, thank you so much for your perspective and your story and for inviting us into the conversation wherever we are in the world. Um, I think it's, beautiful and will a hundred percent make me think more about especially tea and salt sourcing, which to be totally honest is something that I haven't 
quite had a chance to dive into, which I love. Um, as you know, I always ask my guests a couple of questions at the end. The first mm-hmm. of which is who or what makes you feel your bravest? Um, I mean, for fear of using a really overused quote, I'm going to quote Brene Brown. Love it. <laughs> um, she says in Daring Greatly, courage starts with showing up and letting ourselves be seen. So yeah, like that, no matter how many times I read it, no matter how many times I sit with it, it always gives me shivers because that's one thing that we have decided to do very differently than most, you know, larger brands and things like that is that we've decided to let ourselves be seen. Mm. What that means is being brave and sharing the bad days, being brave and sharing the difficulties, the struggle, the grit. And I have a 15 month old son. Not every day is a good work day. Sometimes Mm -hmm. it's just a pull it up by the strings of your boots and just try to be the best mom I can. And that's okay. And that, you know, but, but allowing us, or allowing our audience, our customers, our friends, our village to see this and to be vulnerable mm-hmm. enough to share those moments is definitely one of the bravest things that I have set myself up to do. Yeah. And hopefully that sort of transpires through what we're doing is we're just people doing the thing like everybody else trying to make it work trying to write yeah um but yeah so renee really inspires me to be vulnerable and for me vulnerable is a synonym of being brave Hmm. yeah beautifully said and so true i think it might be the bravest thing that we can possibly do to allow ourselves to be fully seen scary stuff man it's not all pretty in there no it is not (laughs) right like like, especially in this day and age where we have like this Instagram and Pinterest, yeah. and Facebook, that it's like, it's all so manicured. Yeah. That, like seeing my kid with mud on his face, eating dirt at the farm and just being like, oh yeah, he just pulled up like a whole row of the things I'm actually trying to grow. <laughs> what else? You know, like, yeah, like still a V, you know, yeah. like, yeah. Yeah. Oh, I love that. <laughs> It's it's beautiful and it's true. Um, where can our listeners find you on the interwebs? So we are at um, the northerntable.ca. You can also go to the northerntable.com. It leads you to the same place. We own both domains. Awesome. Um, the easiest way probably to interact with us or to join our village would be to follow us on Instagram. It's the dot northern dot table because we couldn't get it just all one word for whatever reason. Um, but yeah, you can find us there. Um, I still personally answer all of the DMs that go through that account. So if you ever have any questions or anything, you can definitely find us there. And we do have a newsletter. Um, we don't have an active newsletter box on the website right this second, but I can send you a link 
to that, Kate, and then uh, you can include that in your show notes. It's on my list of like, add it back on the website, Mel, do the proper (laughs) business thing, Mel. Like, yeah. Uh, Again, (laughs) inviting people deeper. Um, I will have all of those links on the show notes. um, Perfect. So this has been such a great conversation. Thank you for spending a little bit of your morning with us. And um, I cannot wait to hear like what kind of conversations this inspires in like whatever realm of transparent sourcing. Like I like that that's the industry because I think it's, um, it's beautiful and it's burgeoning. I think that's how you pronounce that word. I've never said it out loud. Um, I've written it a lot, but never said it out loud. Uh, and just, yeah, thank you for your perspective and your wisdom and for being so willing to be seen. It's an absolute pleasure, Kate. Thanks so much for having me. Thank you so much for listening to A Braver Brand. To find more resources, show notes, and exclusives, head to www.katekmccarthy.com. If you loved this episode, make sure that you subscribe on your favorite podcast app. And while you're at it, leave a rating and review. Our work relies on listeners like you, and we're grateful each and every time you spread the word. Whether this is your first episode or you've listened to us since day one, you know that I am all about Instagram. Come find me at Kate K. McCarthy and then reach out and say hi. I adore you already. Thank you to everyone who makes this podcast possible. A Braver Brand is produced by me and my slam bang behind the scenes team. Catch you next time.